Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now loading up knowledge on ancient Egyptian deities. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's show, we're going to be breaking down the first episode of Marvel's Moon Knight. Plus, it's WrestleMania weekend, so you know we got to preview the card for you. And maybe make some awful predictions. Hell yeah. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, Christian, up first, we got some huge Obi-Wan Kenobi series news. Boy, did my heart sink when I started seeing articles for Obi-Wan being pushed back, popping up online. However, it's only going to be by two days, as the new release will be Friday, May 27th, instead of its original Wednesday release, as stated by Ewan McGregor himself in an official statement for the series. Not only that, but the series will launch with two episodes premiering. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that they were dropping two episodes for the premiere, because a a lot of series have been doing that that are like you know weekly episodic series just to hook fans especially if they feel like that first episode might be a little slow uh, mm -hmm. but i don't understand the move to friday especially since we're hearing that the show is going to then move back to wednesday for the rest of its run which is what, like uh, six episodes, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess they could be trying to hurt like Stranger Things, which I guess is also premiering that day now. Uh, and then we know like Top Gun is coming out that day. But then like Bob's Burgers is coming out also that day, the movie, um, which is owned by Disney, I believe now. So, because I think, and maybe I'm mistaken, but they were originally releasing new episodes on Fridays, and then they moved it to Wednesdays because they didn't want to compete, like, with, you know, theatrical releases. So, I don't know, it's a weird move, um, especially if they're going to just then, you know, have the rest of the shows drop on Wednesday after that. But, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a couple days, so I'm not mad at it or anything like mm. that. And I feel like it's not really going to stop anyone from watching Stranger Things or anything like that. I mean, we live in a binge society at this point. So if it's a tactical move, it just feels, I don't know, kind of silly. But there's obviously like giant brain trusts at, at Disney getting paid, you know, to make these choices. So, I mean, they probably know a lot more than we do, right? Oh, oh absolutely. But I mean... I can't imagine anything really being bigger than Star Wars. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to do it to hurt Stranger Things in general with Netflix because that is Netflix's kind of biggest show. A lot of times these studios shy away from competition. Like if another mm -hmm. big film or show is being released on the same weekend, you know, they'll move the dates, you know, mm -hmm. just not to hurt their box office or the ratings. So this is kind of like counterintuitive to that, you know, thought process. But maybe Disney wants to like flex some big dick energy. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> big lightsaber energy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Way to PG it. Because <laughs> I can't imagine like those two days are like buying them more time. Like to like finish up Obi Wan or anything like that, right? 
You know, like <laughs> those two days aren't going to mean anything. Like if this was like two weeks or like a, a month or something like that, then mm. I can say, oh, they still have work to do on the show. They want to kind of iron some things out, you know, polish things up. But no, two days isn't going to do shit. No, oh, yeah, they've they've watched that episode like 500 times. And then it was I'm sure and the whole like the whole big deal about May 25th was was like that was the premiere of A New Hope, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't I don't know. I don't get it. But I'll, I'll live. I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> so up next, we seemingly have confirmation that Ryan Coogler is involved in the Ironheart series. During the Vanity Fair party, Anthony Ramos, who was casted for Ironheart and best known for his roles in Hamilton and in The Heights, spilled the beans on Ryan Coogler being involved with the Disney Plus series. While speaking with Extra, Ramos exclaimed, It's incredible, people. Shanaka Hodge, Ryan Coogler, and just like a dope squad, you know, Dominic Thorne and I just feel blessed and grateful. Uh, Shanaka Hodge was earlier reported to be the head writer on the show, but with the Black Panther director also on board, speculation is flying on if we'll be seeing any of the Wakanda Forever stars appearing in this series, which I think is highly possible. I mean, I guess it's no big surprise since, you know, Ironheart the character is going to be debuting in Black Panther 2, which is, you know, obviously being directed by Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. And also Coogler's production company has a deal with Disney Plus to produce multiple projects. So maybe Ironheart's one of them. I'm just happy that the character's in the right hands. Absolutely. So next, it looks like Sharon Stone is returning to the DC Universe. According to The Wrap, Sharon Stone is on board for the upcoming HBO Max film Blue Beetle. She has reportedly been casted as the villain and her name will be Victoria Cord, which apparently shares a last name with the second iteration of Blue Beetle in Ted Cord, which has led people online to speculate that this could be a gender bet take on Ted's uncle, Jarvis Cord, who runs Cord Industry. And while I don't know much about the character Blue Beetle, Sharon Stone I know is a fantastic actress and it will be interesting to see her in a villainous DC role. Now Christian, I'm not blaming you at all for blocking out Catwoman. <laughs> but Sharon Stone was the villain in that film. And my God, it was oh, yeah. awful. Does it count? No, it, oh, count it counts. It fucking counts. Because <laughs> apparently Warner Brothers also blocked it out. Because <laughs> I can't imagine making this casting decision and like if watch that movie. Because that movie is God awful. And she was just chewing up scenery. Like she, mm-hmm. she does deserve some of the blame for that film. <laughs> Because that's how awful the performance is. I think she's a great actress, too. I love her in Casino. But my God, that film is just a stain on the comic book film genre. So, but whatever. I mean, as long as she takes the role a little more serious, you know, this time around. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and maybe she wants to redeem herself after, you know, that performance in Catwoman. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to recommend you, like, going back and watching that film. It's pretty fucking... Like, she's an evil, like cosmetician or something weird i don't know what's going on i have actually i think i watched it not that long ago and i totally forgot that that's who she was and it's just yeah she's some evil like corporation owner she kills her husband uh and it's all to like oh you own this movie cream don't act like you don't fucking (laughs) i don't own this movie it's on this movie you just divulged way too much information about it So no, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this doesn't make me any less excited for Blue Beetle at all or anything uh-huh. like that. I'm, I'm sure she's gonna kill it, you know, whatever. Now I don't go deep with the Blue Beetle at all, 
But I know when Jamie Reyes, you know, takes over the mantle from Ted Cord, Ted Cord's dead. So I'm wondering if that's going to be the story in this film. Or is, you know, Ted Cord, you know, still alive? And maybe he's, you know, kind of, you know, playing that like mentor role to Jamie. I have no clue. I'm just speculating here. All right. Last but definitely not least, an IT prequel series is in development at HBO Max. The Ankler brings us another story today as they reported on a new series coming to HBO Max called Welcome to Derry, a prequel to the IT films. The show is supposedly set to bring us the origins of Pennywise at the beginning of the 27 year curse. Variety also reported on this, claiming that the show will begin in the 1960s, going up to the events of the first film, It Part 1. Directors Andy and Barbara Muschietti are on board to produce, but no word on if Bill Skarsgård will be back in the role of Pennywise. I really hope so, because I thought he was fantastic in the role, and especially, I mean, the fact that he was taking the mantle over from Tim Curry, who's, you know, iconic as Pennywise. I mean, that really says a lot. And I really think the whole concept is smart because since you have this whole like 27 year curse in place, you can tell a whole new fresh story revolving around Pennywise tormenting, you know, the citizens of Derry. Absolutely. And who knows the scale of his victims? You know, it's like how many he's been attacking, how many stories they could tell in this one little area. Yeah, I don't know. Do they establish like how far back? You know, this whole curse started. I think they they said that he landed during a certain time period in the second one. But I mean, that can always be retconned and changed if they wanted. And maybe they don't have to because the story in the 60s could last multiple seasons. They have a lot of wiggle room. Oh, and speaking of Bill Skarsgård, he'll actually be playing in the reboot of The Crow um, that's going to be directed by Rupert Sanders and actually written by um, King Richard Zach Balin, as reported by The Hollywood Reporter, which I do think is actually a pretty excellent choice to have Bill Skarsgård in that role. I could totally picture him playing The Crow, but we'll see more as news comes out for the reboot of that film. All right, Christian, it feels like it's been a while, but we finally have another MCU series to break down. That, of course, is none other than Moon night warning spoiler alert major spoilers for moon night ahead you have been warned what a beautiful day it's like we're in heaven only it's not heaven is it it's the darkness sometimes it hides in our very hearts we are here to make the earth as much like heaven as possible who'd like to go first from just the opening moments, you get the vibe that this is going to be something entirely different for the MCU. As we see Ethan Hawke's character Arthur Harrow smashing up a glass and placing it in his shoes before taking a walk unflinchingly through a mysterious looking temple. This was very St. Maud Christian. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool scene. Obviously, like you said, very different than anything that we've seen from the MCU. Um, I'm still kind of stuck on Arthur Harrow as the choice as the villain for Moon Knight. I mean, the dude was literally in one issue of the comic books. Mm -hmm. Like he was this dude who was like obsessed with like finding a way to make people immune to pain. And he was doing experiments on humans. And that was pretty much it. Moon Knight showed up, kicked his ass. He ran away. He was working for a corporation. There seemed to be like a to be continued setup, and no one ever followed up with it. <laughs> so I guess this is the follow-up. I don't know. Yeah, but we heard for a while that it was going to be uh, a character named Randall Specter. Also, the Sun King was rumored. Uh, so I was kind of expecting them to kind of merge those characters underneath, mm -hmm. like, the Arthur Harrow name. 
But so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. But I mean, this was a great opening regardless. I know I'm rambling, but here we go. I'm at least interested in the performance that Ethan Hawke has been putting in this episode. Like, I, I'm so curious where this goes from here, but we'll get into it as we go on. No, absolutely. I mean, he's a great actor. So I was excited when they announced his casting. Um, and you know it's going to be quality material because he wouldn't attach himself to anything else. After the opening title, we are introduced to Stephen Grant and his unusual morning routine as he unties himself from his bed restraints, among several other precautions meant to make him, you know, aware of if he had been sleepwalking or not. Precautions like sand surrounding his bed and tape on his doorframe. While Stephen gets ready for work, we catch him putting up a postcard around his one-finned fish tank and taking a phone call from his mother supposedly though there are no sounds from the other end of the phone that we can tell if he's actually talking to anyone or not yeah i'm 100 sure he's not actually calling his mother you know like maybe he thinks he's calling his mom but sure it's going to be a big reveal when we find out exactly whose number he's actually dialing and leaving messages for so and i have some theories but i won't dive into them just yet Upon making his way to the museum he works at, he sees a girl messing up one of the sand sculpture displays of the Great Pyramids. Instead of scolding the girl, he decides to try and like pique her interest in the ancient Egyptians, as he clearly is well informed on the topic. However, we quickly learn that he isn't a tour guide here at the museum, but a gift shop attendant, as his manager talks down to him again for trying to act like a guide. So this character feels like the biggest villain the MCU's like introduced since <laughs> Thanos. Like, <laughs> I hated this woman. Like... <laughs> So, I mean, she's doing something right because, uh -huh. my God, like, I feel like I've worked with her before in the past. <laughs> and maybe that's the problem. But holy shit, she was just awful. Just an awful person. The absolute worst. So what really stood out to me is this is a very different version of the Stephen Grant, you know, persona that we've seen in the comic books. Uh, you know, Moon Knight's Stephen Grant personality is much more akin to let's say like bruce wayne where he's kind of like the rich like playboy um mm -hmm. character where this stephen grant is awkward as fuck and you know just kind of a bumbling like buffoon really is awkward and you know barely holding things together which we could really see from the trailers oh, absolutely but maybe he's just you know he's gonna grow into it he's gonna become it could You're be a billionaire. And I'm not mad at it. That's totally that's totally fine. You know, I mean, this is the MCU's version of Moon Knight. So mm -hmm. that's fine. I'm definitely not like a comic book purist. So I'm OK with, you know, different takes on these characters as long as it doesn't like stray too far. While working, Stephen is approached by one of the tour guides working at the museum as if they had actually already met before and talked it out because she asks if they're still on for a date at a steak joint, which confuses but still delights the vegan Stephen as he goes along with the awkward exchange, thinking he's just been asked out by a co-worker. Obviously, one of his other personalities was, you know, putting the moves, you know, on, uh -huh. on this co-worker. <laughs> 
Steven's interactions with co-workers continue to be somewhat strained as he tries to communicate with his manager over the misprinted merch that they are trying to sell. Even the security guard doesn't seem to care too much for Steven as he gets his name wrong, calling him Scotty as he leaves for the night. This is when we catch Steven with what seems like the only person that actually listens to him, that of course being a golden statue in the middle of a public area. Here Steven talks about how it seems like his body has a mind of its own while he sleeps, and talks about the efforts he puts in to stay awake in hopes that it tires him out to the point where he just stays in bed. All the while, I'm just sitting there staring at this statue to see if it's actually moving or not. So apparently someone noticed in the credits that the statue's name is actually Crowley, which is probably a nod to an old supporting character in like earlier volumes of the Moon Knight book, I think from the 80s, honestly, um, where he was kind of like uh, Jake Lockley, another personality of Moon Knight's like ears on the street. So we'll see if that actually like comes into play here. Um, but it could just be a nice little Easter egg, I'm guessing. We then get to see what Steven was talking about, you know, put to use as he straps himself down for the night, doing everything in his power to keep himself awake as he listens to self-help tapes on keeping his mind active. I mean, this is elaborate. Like, what has he woken up in the middle of? Because he's uh -huh. going all out here. Right. <laughs> and just the fact that he's actually trying to stay awake. Like I got like strong, like Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Right. <laughs> so because um, I don't know how you would possibly function without sleeping. But like he's that terrified of what he can do, you know, when he does fall asleep. And I just wonder, like, if you were that into a routine, I, wouldn't your like sleep self still be able to figure out how to get out of it? That's just, you know, my opinion. Apparently, yes, right? <laughs> that's exactly what happens. In the blink of an eye, Steven awakes with his jaw dislocated in the middle of a sunny, grassy field. Getting up and getting his bearings, he hears a deep voice in his mind telling him he's not supposed to be here, in which Steven definitely agrees. The voice continues by ordering Steven to surrender the body to Mark. In Steven's confusion, he finds a gold scarab in his pocket before getting fired upon by some nearby guards in a tower that he may have fallen from. So yeah, so the voice is definitely Khonshu, which is the Egyptian deity that saved Mark Spector when he was left for dead on a mercenary mission uh, by his partner Bushman, which doesn't seem to be in the series, at least not yet. Now in the comics, Mark is the main personality of Moon Knight. And, you know, Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley and, you know, Moon Knight himself, they're all like his different personalities. He suffers from disassociative uh, identity disorder. Uh, now, in the comic books, this is something that's like developed over time. At first, these different like personalities were actually just personas that he used to, you know, work as a vigilante. Like I was saying, Stephen Grant was his, like, Bruce Wayne personality, mm -hmm. you know, w where he would operate, like, you know, in high society. Uh, Jake Lockley was his persona that he would use to keep his eyes and ears on the street. He worked as, like, a cab driver. So, you know, it was kind of just, like, keeping track of what was going on in the darker corners of the Marvel Universe. But eventually those lines really started to blur. And I remember in those early comic books, you even questioned if like Hanshu was even real. If it wasn't just another one of his personalities. Like if he was just imagining all of this. Um, 
now in the comics, Kanshu is very much a real, like, you know, god. Um, that Moon Knight sometimes, you know, does his bidding, but other times he comes to odds with. Uh, you know, but Kanshu's constantly trying to manipulate Moon Knight, you know, to his own means. So it's a very interesting, like, relationship they have. Um, just recently in the Avengers comic books, I know I'm going deep here, but <laughs> just recently in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers books, Kanshu uses Moon Knight in a whole situation that's happening with Mephisto to try to take over the world. And he pretty much gets there. He takes the power of Doctor Strange, Iron Fist, and even the Phoenix Force. So he's incredibly powerful. Uh, <laughs> but Mark's always been able to kind of resist it, like fully giving in to Kanshu. So, but it's a constant struggle for him. So with that being said, in this series, it feels like we're getting Kanshu very much in the forefront, where in those earlier books of Moon Knight, like Kanshu was kind of more in the background until recently, but it seems like we're getting more of a modern take on him. Well, either way, he seems to, especially in this episode, fit more of that description of like, maybe someone who might be trying to be more manipulative oh, rather than a hero. <laughs> Absolutely. And he definitely hates the Stephen Grant, you know, persona, personality, <laughs> right? Uh, running into a nearby town, Stephen finds a crowd to hide in as the guards chase after him. Looking to what this crowd is amassing for, we again see Arthur making his way to the city center to talk to his flock. Arthur Harrow claims that their purpose in life is to make this world as much like heaven as it can be before he then asks out to the crowd who would like to go first. Stephen watches on as a man holds out his hands to Arthur, and it seems like Arthur is using his cane in some kind of ritual to see if there is good in this person's soul. And interestingly enough, the tattoo of a scale on Arthur's arm begins to move along with the cane in his hand, which ultimately balances out, showing that this is in fact a good person. A test I'm sure I'd fail. Oh, you and me both, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> The tests don't end there though, an elderly woman steps up to be tested, but the scale does not balance in her favor. And while she laments that you know she has been a good person her whole life, Arthur exclaims maybe it's something that she has yet to do, as for why she has been deemed bad. He proclaims Amit, the Egyptian deity, had decided her fate and just like that she falls back. But what we can see of her hand, it's as if her body has like turned gray in the very process. I really enjoyed this scene. Ethan Hawke is doing a great job of portraying like what a cult leader would be like. Uh, you know, super charismatic to the point where he seems like he feels deep sorrow uh, that the woman doesn't pass the test. Uh, like you said, you could tell that, you know, maybe he's perhaps absorbing their energy, it seems like, mm. right? I mean, like a true cult leader, he definitely has his followers underneath some kind of trance because they're really quick to volunteer when, you know, he asks who wants who wants to step up. The guards who had been after Stephen make Arthur aware of the traitor amongst them as Arthur cleverly gets his flock to kneel using a language Stephen doesn't know, catching him off guard. Stephen, who is lost by all of this, is straightforward in telling them exactly who he is and he has no idea what's going on, as hard as it may be to believe. Arthur remaining calm asks Stephen then to just hand over the scarab, 
but as if someone is dragging him along, Stephen is unable to let go and hand over the scarab at all. Stephen begins walking away like an action figure being walked around as the guards attempt to stop him, but then in a blink of an eye again, Stephen is surrounded by bodies with his hands covered in blood, not knowing what just happened. So I wasn't necessarily a big fan of like Kanshu using Stephen as a puppet here. Yeah, it was a little too much slapstick for me. I mean, I'd much rather have them like cut when, you know, Arthur asks for the stone and then, you know, Steven's all of a sudden waking up, standing around a bunch of bodies. Uh, it, just the fact that he was acting like a puppet. I don't know. It, it didn't do anything for me. What about you, Christian? I mean, I will admit this moment and the next scene coming up felt a little weird tone wise in general, like it. It, it felt like so intense up until he starts getting walked away. Mm -hmm. He's like doing a whole like, like he has no control over his limbs type of march. So, yeah, it was a little out of it was a little weird, but I, I was still like, I don't know too much about the character. So I'm kind of trying to just like get into it, letting, you know, whatever happens happen and see where it goes from there. I mean, that's it felt like they were just playing it for laughs. And that was that's something uh, that I've never seen in a Moon Knight book. And I'm not an expert on Moon Knight or anything, but I don't know. It just felt, I don't know, it was a little too much. So for my liking, I, I don't mind the blackouts and then him waking up, mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of carnage. That's fine with me, but just, you know watching Kanshu like physically like you know play Pinocchio with him I don't know I'm just hoping we don't get more of that finding a cupcake truck Steven gets out of this town but is chased by several cars filled with Arthur's men in this chase Steven blacks out several times to find enemies luckily being beaten but he has no idea how it's happening and just when it seems like he's about to get hurt himself he finally wakes back up at home secure to his bed like it was all a dream yeah I love the moment when he wakes up and he's literally driving backwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> see that's the, that's the shit I liked I enjoyed all that but like the puppet boy stuff that that did nothing for me but anyway I enjoyed this whole chase sequence um, and I love that this episode really just concentrates on, you know, the Grant personality. And we don't really see Spectre in control until, like, the very end. While the Wake Me Up song, you know, fits for, like, you know, the lyrics and everything, for some reason in this scene, it really just, it took me out of it. Like, lyrically, I, I like, lyrically with the scene, was, I got what they were going was for. Was it too on the nose? I, I think so. Okay, that's and fine. Maybe, and I do always bring that movie back to Zoolander. I mean, that song back to Zoolander. Oh. So maybe that kept getting into my head. I don't know. I, don't know. I love me some Wham. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the first tape I got when I was a kid. When I got my first, like, boombox. That was. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> it's the 80s, Christian. So I had Wham and I had the Ghostbusters soundtrack. You know, I got it for my birthday <laughs> along with my boombox. So, nice. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, pulling out cardboard on the corner or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> that you want to admit. Yes. But tapes, Christian, is how we used to play music back in the 80s. I, I know about tapes, David. I'm not that young. I don't know, Christian. I'm not sure, man. <laughs> the only reason you know what tapes are is because you've seen them in movies. There's no way that you would like actually have tapes. Damon, I was I was poor. I had a tape player. Get out of here. And I tried to make <laughs> tapes on radio and I did all that. Did really? Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> well now I feel bad. <laughs> For poor little Christian. <laughs> 
I would have sent you some CDs if I if I would have uh -huh. known. <laughs> I upgraded eventually. I got there. <laughs> I hope so, because they eventually just stopped making tapes, so. Uh -huh. Steven then goes around his apartment checking his precautions, you know, goes through his daily routine, but one look at his fish and he realizes something is off here. Taking a trip to the pet store where he got his beloved one-finned pet fish, Gus, Steven argues and asks how the, his fish ended up with a new fin out of nowhere, as this fish doesn't have the same deformity as his original. In which the cashier tells him he came in looking for a one-finned fish just the day before, and they still don't have one. So I'm not gonna lie, I didn't notice that the fish had only one fin when we're first introduced to it. So I was confused on what the hell was going on here. <laughs> you know, uh, but okay. Like I think he points it out the first time, but it, it was such a, like a throwaway. I moment. guess I just missed it. I don't know. All it's right. a real interesting, quirky way for him to discover that there's been, you know, a time jump. Well, it's like, you know, Mark's been so good at getting the sand, the tape, everything. But where is he going to find another one fucking fin fish? <laughs> so you're right. I mean, Mark is going through great lengths to get him home in one piece and fool him into thinking that, you know, it was all just a real intense dream. Steven, believing it's still Friday, goes out on his date with the tour guide. But when she no-shows, he calls to find out that he's actually two days late for their date. And even though he's a vegan, due to his you know bewilderment of losing two days, he still orders a steak. I've got to say, this episode does a great job of making like the Steven Grant you know personality super sympathetic because he's mm. just has no clue what the fuck is going on at this point steven again calls his mom on the way back home and lies about the whole date in general saying that it was a great time but once back at his place he begins to notice some more irregularities about his apartment he sees some scratches on the floor where one of his tables are placed next to sliding into place over the scratches he's able to climb up and find a phone and a key hidden behind a loose wood plank in his ceiling inspecting the phone he gets a call the moment he turns it on from a Layla who has been trying to reach Mark for months. Steven asks who's Mark and why she's calling but she quickly hangs up as Steven begins to get more aggressive. Someone also pointed out another uh, easter egg. When he's scrolling through the numbers on the phone he sees his longtime sidekick Frenchie's real name uh, amongst you know the numbers. Uh, so I'm curious to see if that character does like show up. Like he's this mix between like Micro and uh, Alfred, kind of, you know, obviously without like, you know, the fatherly aspects of uh -huh. Alfred. So, but he's a really cool character. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, him and Moon Knight, you know, work together eventually. Well, I'm wondering, and this is just my working theory that if Frenchie is the one that he's actually calling when he calls his mom and like he's instilled that. Maybe. You know, as like, you know, a safeguard. I was going a little bigger. I was actually, kind of speculating that it might actually be like Bushman who is his associate who turns on him you know is his friend and then he basically leaves him for dead on a mission gotcha. or even someone like you know Nick Fury because Mark has in the comics at least worked for the government in the past uh, at least with the CIA I believe so I mean he does become a mercenary but, you know, maybe we find out that he was on a mission for S.H.I.E.L.D. or some version of S.H.I.E.L.D. with, like, Nick Fury or something. I could see them kind of, you know, tying him into the MCU that way. 
Yeah, that that sounds like a Nick Fury type of plan. <laughs> right. And we know Nick loves older technology since he was still holding on to that fucking beeper to contact uh, Captain Marvel. Yes. So flip phone is right up his alley. Steven, who wants more answers, tries to call back, but a new mysterious voice begins to warn him about the path he is on. Lights begin to flicker and things start flying throughout his apartment, which causes Steve to run out. In a nearby elevator, Steven begins to see things as each floor opens up. And on one floor, it looks like he sees the god Khonshu chasing him in the elevator. And we get an even better look at Khonshu as you know Steve looks out a window during a ride on the bus back to the museum. Yeah, the voice is definitely Mark Spector's. Um, and my god i love that fucking Kanshu scene creepy as all hell and they really nailed like how Kanshu visually looks in the comics which is terrifying that wasn't all he saw on the bus when he went to work no it turns out arthur was there as well hunting him down while his co-workers and security don't take steven's worries seriously steven then finds himself face to face with arthur surrounded by several of his followers in the museum arthur begins explaining the history and importance of Amit, stating that if she hadn't been betrayed by her fellow gods, she would have prevented all the world's tragedies. Cornered without anywhere to go, Arthur begins the judgment process on Steven, but we don't get to see the actual results. As Arthur exclaims, there is chaos in you. Luckily, at that same time, a group of tourists barge into the exhibit he was trapped in and gives Steven room to actually escape, though he does decide to stay there and work the rest of the day. Yes, I thought that was absolutely absurd, but somehow fitting for the character. So uh -huh. I was like, why are you why would you stick around there? But I don't know. I mean, maybe he just felt like he had no other place to go, really. How do you feel about the use of the word chaos in this scene? Do you think that they're alluding to any type of chaos magic that could be within? I see where you're going. Um, I took it more of him alluding to all the different personalities living inside of him. Later that night, doing inventory, Steven hears what sounds like a dog in the exhibit halls and decides to check it out. In Reflections, we can catch a version of Steven not moving the same way at all as he does in the real world. What this reflection of Steven was looking at turns out to be some kind of ancient Egyptian monster hunting Steven down. And before it attacks, we hear Arthur over the intercom proclaim, give me the scarab and you won't be torn apart. Yeah, at this point, I have no clue what the scarab does or why Arthur wants it so badly. But what I do know is that jackal creature was absolutely terrified. So I mean, if he's being true to his word, I'm assuming he's trying to bring Amit to, you know, back to, you know, our world. But I I have a feeling that it's some type of twist where he's just absorbing the power for himself in some way. I'm sure. Where where maybe he transforms into Amit or like maybe he's the avatar you know, to the god, like, you know, Moon Knight's the avatar to Khonshu. That would make sense. Steven secures himself into a bathroom with mirrors on either side, where his reflection begins talking to him, begging him for control of the body in order for this other identity to fight for them. With no other choice, Steven lets go and the wrappings of Moon Knight take hold and allow this other personality to beat this monster with ease as the show comes to a close. I love this moment. They saved the best for last. They waited a whole 40 some minutes to give us our first like sighting of Moon Knight, but it was well worth the wait. I mean, I love the transformation into Moon Knight, how like the suit seems to come from inside of him. Um, 
which I don't believe I've ever seen in the comics before. So it's a really interesting take because in the books, it's a much cleaner look. Um, but the whole rap look really ties into the origins of the character. So it makes sense. I mean, I really like the visual effect of it, though. I thought that looked really good. No, I agree 100%. And overall, I really dug this episode. I mean, it, I like that they took their time to really, like, introduce the audience to this character. Because if you think about it, this is really the first series that revolves around a main character that's brand new to the MCU. I mean, you have Hawkeye, where you've got Kate Bishop being introduced, but it also stars, you know, Clint. So, you know, you have that anchor in place where mm -hmm. this, you know, series needs to do more legwork. So it needs to really take, it, take its time and, you know, really hook you into the story. And I felt like that's exactly what they did here. And you'll be able to speak better on this than me, but like even me being like more familiar with the character, I'm still curious to see what direction they go in and how they choose to tell his story. I agree because there's so many ways you could take a show like this where it's like, you know, you start off this first episode just focusing on Stephen Grant. The next one, now that, you know, Mark's in place, could be a whole episode just focusing on Mark and who he is as a character. And maybe if they want to throw in the third one, they can. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to go that big, but, you know, it's something, it's DID. There's so much you can do with a character like that. I think that's so intriguing. And the way that they're doing this show doesn't feel like a who's done it. You know, who exactly. did it, you know, kind of atmosphere that's, like we've got with the, all the previous ones. That's also something that makes it feel fresh because it's not a yes. mystery who the villain is. Like, mm -hmm. right up front, they introduce us to the villain and we know exactly who Moon Knight's going up against. So, and maybe, you know, they throw us a curveball and there's another villain, you know, waiting in the wings, but it doesn't seem that way. It seems to be more about the origin story of this fantastic character that, you know, the MCU's never seen before. Mm -hmm. I feel like this episode gave just enough to, you know, you know, pique everyone's curiosity. Like, I feel like there's no one that's going to leave this episode being like, eh, I don't want to see what happens next. I want to, I feel like this is enough of both of those characters, both the villain and the hero, where I want to see, you know, who they become by the end of this. And if you think about it in like typical Marvel fashion, like basically all the trailers we saw before this episode was just the first episode. Like we didn't see Mr. Knight, which does make a brief, he does make a brief appearance uh, in the trailer. But I feel like, you know, now I have no clue what direction they're going in, you know, mm. because they did a great job of restraining themselves, <laughs> which a lot of studios don't do, and really just giving us a taste in the trailer. So it just makes everything feel more exciting and more unpredictable, which I want as an audience member. Absolutely. All right. So make sure to join us right back here next week as we break down episode two of Moon Knight. This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Manscaped. Ladies and gentlemen, can I get a round of applause? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped's launched their Ultra Premium Collection. And believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for your everyday man, and it covers you from head to toe literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20amazing. 
Fellas, there's more places on your body that stink than your balls. And of course, no one wants to be that smelly guy during convention season. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for the precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collection. This package includes Manscaped's premium deodorants. And no, that's not for your balls, it's for your stanky armpits. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum free, and smells like their signature scent. It also comes with hydrating body moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Also, it comes with body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. And they also throw in a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus, they included a free gift a three-pack set of lip balm that's made up of ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. Right there, that's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score. All of these products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. You know, we would like to recommend using the products in this order. Well, Christian, the first step will be hopping in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub -dub that body with the Manscaped Body Wash. Second, you gotta lather that hair up with the two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin'. Then you've gotta dry off and spray that hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Of course, you put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is out here kissing chapped up lips. And you know, getting dressed after is of course optional, but you should wear one great scent all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get that ultra premium collection hot off the shelves. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20amazing at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20amazing at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. That's right, because the power of attraction is now in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming, we saw the rise of PlayStation somewhat of an answer to Game Pass. But before we talk Sony, the juggernaut of gaming conventions E3 has canceled completely for this year. A couple months ago, the ESA announced that there would not be an in-person event, which only led you know people to speculate that there would be you know another kind of like live stream event that they did like last year. But anyway, now the ESA has also confirmed there will be no digital E3 either. While the event of E3 for the future isn't off the table, you can imagine with the you know continuation of companies doing their own press events pretty regularly now um, that the concept of E3 may be on the outs altogether, as it's been on the decline over the last few years, even before the pandemic. Companies like IGN have, you know, stepped up to the plate, kind of filled the void for those of us who still have, you know, nostalgia for these big press events, their summer of gaming event. But I'd like to know, do you guys feel like this is the official 
beginning of the end of E3, you know, and its era of gaming altogether or not? You know, let us know on social media. But all right, like I mentioned earlier, Sony is changing up its PS Plus subscription service to something more alike the Xbox Game Pass. However, it doesn't really feel like they're going into this with competition in mind. Let's talk the facts first, though. Uh, the all new PlayStation Plus will feature three varying subscription tiers. Uh, the original PS Plus will now be called PS Plus Essential and will cost about $60 a year with all the features you already know and love, like free games each month and online play and store discounts. The next tier will be a PS Plus Extra, which will cost up to about $15 a month or $100 a year. While the language out there isn't fully clear on what you're exactly getting, supposedly you will have access to a library of over 400 games from the exclusives to their third-party titles which most likely will be Sony's replacement plan for their discontinued PS Now service, as all PS Now subscribers will be converted to the PS Plus Extra. PS Plus Premium will be the most expensive package with around 700 games accessible compared to the previous tier's 400. It'll cost $18 a month or $120 a year. The additional games have been hinted at being more like backwards compatible titles, more backwards compatible titles, um, you know, from the PS2, PS3, and PSP eras, though it was stated that the PS3 games would be locked to cloud streaming and not downloadable, which is a tad bit disappointing. Premium will also allow for cloud streaming on PC, but that's far from what I was personally hoping for, you know, with Sony allowing PC access to maybe download their titles instead, but it, it is what it is. I see what they're doing. And while monthly to get everything Xbox kind of edges out price wise, um, the addition of a yearly plan greatly lowers the price of Sony's PlayStation Plus service. If you can you know, afford to pay that cost up front, you'll be saving around 60 plus dollars in comparison to the yearly price of an Xbox Ultimate Game Pass subscription. But man, I was really hoping that those rumors about, you know, PlayStation allowing you to download their games onto PC would come true. That was one of the biggest blows I got out of this story coming out was, you know, I won't be able to, you know, just download, you know, PlayStation experiences onto my PC, which is unfortunate, but I understand why they're doing it. You know, this service kind of pushes you still back towards their console, whereas something like Xbox Game Pass allows you to, you know, play it on PC and their console because, you know, Microsoft can afford to do that. I mean, it's smart on PlayStation's end and Sony's end, I should say, to, you know, to kind of push players towards the best experience, which would be on the console. And while overall, I do think it is a good value when you look at it that way in the like yearly format, you know, where you're paying $120 rather than 180, I feel like I would be more inclined to continue on with a Game Pass subscription over a you know playstation premium one just because i would still be getting all those you know a lot of those third party titles are still going to show up in game pass as time goes on and the last thing i personally need is another subscription based thing that i gotta pay for every single month though i do understand i'm already paying to play online with the playstation plus you know subscription in general so getting the, those little extra things would be nice to have but because I don't have a PS5, I don't feel like I'm going to get, you know, the full benefits of a, you know, service like this. So maybe once I do have a PS5 in my grasp, I'll change my mind. But, you know, until then, I'm still thinking, you know, Game Pass looks like the better subscription in my eyes. 
and I have been mostly trying to move all my gaming to PC anyway. So for now, I'll keep, you know, playing PC and getting all my games for PC. You know, I'll keep playing games like Elden Ring, Jedi Fallen Order, and WWE 2K22, plus a whole lot more that we play live every single Thursday through Sunday on stream. But like I said before, let us know what your thoughts on all this is. You know, are you going to get PlayStation Plus Premium? Um, is this something that you're interested in? Do you think it's actually going to be a competitor for Xbox Game Pass? You can let us know on social media at Amazing Nerd Show, or you can join me at Amazing Nerd Live for all the Twitch updates and all the gaming content that we cover. But for now, let's move on over to wrestling. That title, that's my title. I'm in God mode. You ain't got a chance. This is my ring. This is my cameraman. These people, this commentary team, that sign right there is mine. I am WrestleMania. All right, Christian. So I'm not going to lie. Uh, this WrestleMania just kind of snuck up on me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the show, you know we haven't been... 100% invested in WWE as a product right now. But with that being said, I still love me a good old-fashioned WrestleMania weekend. I mean, I remember just like, I don't know, five years ago, WrestleMania was like a holiday. Um, it doesn't feel that way as much anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a me problem. But with that being said, I feel like while we might be out of the loop when it comes to every storyline and angle going on, I feel like I've kept up to date enough with the bigger ones to kind of, you know, go through the card and make some predictions. So anyway, for some ungodly reason, <laughs> WrestleMania this year is two nights. Um, I'm hoping this is an experiment. Uh, they did it not last year. Oh, no, they did do it last year, right? Yeah, they did. last. OK, year, yeah. they did it also last year. I mean, I know, you know, New Japan has also been doing this with Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I honestly hate it. Uh, <laughs> it just I don't know. It makes the card. I don't know. For me, it diminishes like that big event feel for the card, especially when it comes to like the main event, because I feel like there isn't like a true main event. Does that make sense? But Damon, it's WrestleMania. It's too big for one night. Whatever, Christian. <laughs> it's the the most stupendous WrestleMania ever. <laughs> I think it's the tagline that- this year. Oh, God. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, but anyway, so basically it's a long way of saying it is we're going to go through this card pretty quickly here. All right. <laughs> because there's 14 matches in total. So, uh, you know, buckle up. And here we go. Starting off the card, we have Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Women's Raw Championship. Uh, and we should know, we do not know the order of the card whatsoever. No. So we're just going to kind of <laughs> go off of what we have listed match-wise. And we'll talk about what we think is going to be the main event last. So I'm happy that this match is actually happening. I'm hoping that Bianca actually gets revenge here. And I honestly could see this opening the show. So especially since mm-hmm. we have both women's titles being defended on the first night, which I thought was weird. I, I thought they would definitely separate the two titles, you know, between the two nights, but whatever. Um, I'm glad that they eventually got back to the storyline. I mean, it started off at SummerSlam with, you know, Becky's return, um, you know, and 
you know, she pretty much beat Bianca's ass for like a month, unfortunately, and really kind of hurt her push, um, which was pretty substantial at that point. Uh, but they did eventually go back to it, which I'm glad, um, you know, especially for Bianca, because I thought she had probably the moment of WrestleMania last year. Uh, and hopefully she has another big moment here, because I'm predicting that Bianca Belair actually walks away with the title. I think it depends to me. It depends on if they want Ronda chasing after a title when she goes up against um, Becky Lynch, or do they want well I, I, WrestleMania I, I, next year? It's got to be Becky Lynch. Yeah, but Ronda, I feel right? like that's a year away. So I mean, yeah, they got yes, plenty of time. Yeah, to play, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to book that match because you know, with that, the idea of that match possibly happening next year. <laughs> okay. I, I could see them giving it to Bianca just to, you know, pop the fans. Well, exactly. And I feel yeah. like it puts a nice bow on that storyline, that program. Mm. Although in the go home show for Raw, we did see Bianca cut Becky's hair, which I thought mm. was a little weird. And, you know, if you know the wrestling formula before a pay-per-view, usually the person who's left standing in the go home show usually is going to end up the one, you know, counting lights at the end of the match. So I'm a little concerned because they've been doing a lot of like hair stuff, especially with like Bianca's hair and her using it as a whip and everything. Uh, Becky's been doing Mm -hmm. a lot of complaining. So it feels like this is all going to lead to a hair versus hair match. Um, And that's obviously not on the card for, you know, this weekend, but I could see that happening at WrestleMania Backlash. So maybe, you know, Becky does win here and then Bianca, you know, finally gets, you know, her just dues, you know, a month later. I, mean, I would hope they would go for the, I would assume Bianca being the bigger win at WrestleMania, but. I feel like that's, I think there's more value in that WrestleMania moment than mm-hmm. some, you know, hair versus hair match at, you know, Backlash. So I agree with you 100%, but it is WWE, so it's a little unpredictable. All right, up next we have the Mysterios going up against Miz and Logan Paul in a tag team match. I don't even know the difference between Logan Paul and what's his brother's name? <laughs> Jake Paul? Uh, Jake, Jake Paul, Paul, right? Is that the who's the boxer? Uh Jake. The okay, one. okay. Um man, I just feel bad for the Mysterios having to deal with this shit. <laughs> I know Logan Paul has a lot of followers, right? He's a YouTuber. Right? Or is that yeah, his brother? He was a sensation for a while. I feel like he's past. You know, I feel like it's, you know, he's past that time where he was big oh, on YouTube. Man. Where it would have actually mattered. I mean, the dude is show. just a natural heel. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, he was getting booed in his own hometown. They did not give a shit about Logan Paul. Um, no. And I just don't give a shit about this match. I'll be honest. I could. S- man. I want to say the Mysterios win here. Um, if they don't win, maybe we finally get that Dominic uh, turn that's been teased for like two, two and a half years mm. at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like Logan Paul's not going to have any kind of like Bad Bunny moment or anything like last year. Which I'm actually surprised Bad Bunny isn't on this card somewhere. Yeah, he made an appearance at the Rumble, right? So yeah. I think it might be a touring <laughs> schedule thing because he, I mean... He's hardcore. He loves the product. So I'm sure if he uh, could be at WrestleMania, he would be. I could see Logan Paul and Miz winning. I feel like they would want to do something where it eventually leads to Miz versus Logan Paul again. 
Well, maybe something happens where Miz turns on Logan Paul. Although I Perhaps. can't imagine them trying to make Logan Paul a babyface. <laughs> That's just a bad idea. But what? Well, I mean, I've seen in interviews where Logan Paul has been like, yeah, I want to do some long term stuff with WWE. So I could imagine if he's sticking around him getting a big win at oh, WrestleMania. Dear God, I hope not. Um, yeah, I, you, you could be right, man. <laughs> I would have put it past him. But I feel like it's going to fail miserably. Speaking of hot matches, we have Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. I feel like I've seen this match like maybe 50 times at this point. Right? <laughs> like McIntyre versus Baron Corbin. Uh, I know this is like, you know, Corbin as the Happy Corbin persona, whatever. Um, but yeah, man, this just feels like them putting Drew on the back burner and, you know, saving him basically for, you know, the eventual feud with Roman, which I feel like is probably going to happen soon after WrestleMania. Cause like, yes. he's really the only worthy contender on the roster right now. It feels like, um, unless, you know, you have Lashley go over to SmackDown, which could be a possibility, especially if they unify those belts. I mean, I just feel like Drew deserves so much better and it's just so disappointing to see him, you know, after like carrying the company through like the pandemic era, be forced down the card this far, you know, facing mm -hmm. Baron Corbin on WrestleMania. Uh, up next, we have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match between the Usos and Nakamura and Rick Boogs. 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 All right, well, the Usos have had the belts for a long time, and WWE loves having their secondary titles change hands at Mania. So, yeah, I'm going to say Nakamura and Boogs walk away with the belts here. I mean, if anything, it's to get that Pat McAfee, you know, pop. Yeah, I agree. If McAfee's actually announcing on this card, right? Is his match this, this night, or is it the second night? It's the okay, yeah, so he'll definitely be announcing. So, yeah, I agree 100%, right? I'm sure he'll be standing on the table playing the air guitar. So, I mean, really, the tag titles have just been kind of a prop for the Usos to parade around with Roman, you know, mm -hmm. doing the whole bloodline gimmick. So, so it feels like it's time to shake things up, you know, here and have the titles change hand. Well, up next, we have the New Day with Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston going up against Sheamus and Ridge Holland. So this is the definition of a match being thrown together and shoehorned onto the card for, you know, no real good reason. Uh, I'm guessing that they're just kind of using this as an excuse to kind of parade Big E out there, you know, after his injury and everything to get that huge pop, which, I mean, will be a cool moment. Yeah, I think there's no way that the New Day doesn't go over. Yeah, I agree. Um, in this match at all. Uh, uh, even, maybe Butch plays a big yeah, part of it. I don't know. Say, even with Butch in their corner? I, you uh, don't think uh, Seamus <laughs> and Rich Holland can pull it off? You know, nah. the name wouldn't bother me so much. It's the fucking, it's the fucking outfit in the name that just kills me. <laughs> I just, I can't handle the fucking suspenders and the little stupid hats. I mean, and I feel like they've got, like, three different guys walking around with suspenders right now in the WWE. It's weird. Is that, like, a big thing right now? A big fad? Suspenders? Christian? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not a suspenders guy. I don't, You're no totally idea. a suspenders guy. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> don't you lie to me. After this show, you're totally rocking suspenders. Uh-huh. I mean, he looks dead inside every time I see a picture of him, so... 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, that would be on him, though, right? Because, I mean, he's the one who signed that contract. He just, I think he just signed a new contract recently, right? That's a recent thing. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's a big check. It's a big, you know, salary boost being on the main roster. So maybe, you know, he's like, whatever, I'll do whatever you want, man. I'll wear the stupid hand suspenders. I don't care. As long <laughs> as I can, you know, check as long as I get to, like, cash that check every two weeks. I'll be wherever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, What do we got here? We have Seth freaking Rollins uh, versus to be announced. Mr. McMahon will be announcing his opponent at WrestleMania. So this should, for all, all intensive purposes, be the debut of Cody Rhodes or the re-debut of Cody Rhodes in the WWE. Um <laughs> There are some like last minute rumors flying around that, you know, it could possibly be a swerve and it could be Shane McMahon showing up. Um, If they do do that, I feel like it's still going to end up being Cody at the end of the day. Like maybe Shane comes Mm -hmm. out, you know, gets beat or, you know, Cody comes out and gets rid of Shane. Who knows? Um, I I think a, a lot of people are making a lot out of that story. I mean, Shane is at every WrestleMania and at every Hall of Fame. So the fact that he's just there in Texas this weekend, I don't feel like means that he's going to be part of the card. Although he was originally rumored to be, you know, feuding with Seth, um, you know, for media. So I think that's probably where people are connecting the dots. Um, But yeah, if this is Cody, uh, I hope it goes off without a hitch. I am rooting for him. I, I, I mean, I'm hoping for big things here. It's a pretty ballsy choice to go back to the company that you've been kind of, I don't know, scorning for the last, you know, couple years. I mean, if you think about it, Cody's really been kind of like Captain AEW, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, he's been pretty much the face, like leading the charge against WWE, it feels like. So to have like, you know, AEW's biggest, you know, cheerleader go to the other side, you know, after in interviews, he's, you know, he basically said he would, he could never see himself going back. Well, obviously money talks and, you know, I don't, I don't, and I don't blame him. I mean, maybe he wanted the challenge and maybe he saw the writing on the wall in AEW and, you know, who knows, you know, I mean, to each his own. I hope he got all the money in the world and I hope he gets all the opportunity in the world and I hope it works out. But it is kind of like, what the fuck is going on? So just the spectacle of seeing, you know, you know, the version of Cody Rhodes that we've been getting in AEW. And I hope that's the version we get in WWE. Um, it's going to be a sight to behold. So, um, you know, here's to hoping that it works out. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I want it all. I want the, you know, 20 minutes of fighting on the stairs and the Arn Anderson like interferences <laughs> every match. Oh, there's there's no way he brought Arn with him. <laughs> Arn's not going back. So. Uh. <laughs> uh. I mean, maybe if they allow him to actually carry a gun with him, you know, maybe, but... <laughs> Wouldn't put it past WWE. Uh-huh, right. right. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time one of the wrestlers pulled out a gun in the middle of a, a show. So, <laughs> you know, a la Pillman. Um, but yeah, no, uh, this does end up being Cody's debut. Um, I'm going to say that he wins the match here, although I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that's not the case. Uh, but I'm just terrified that he's going to get the standard like three week treatment by Vince where he, you know, 
gives him basically three weeks to sink or float like he does with all Mm -hmm. like new signees and then he gets kind of like tired of them and you know he just ends up you know somewhere down on the mid card um or chasing after the 24 7 title which would just be my god heartbreaking to see i mean it'd be a fun promo you know i'm the greatest 24 7 champion of all time could you imagine what a nightmare (laughs) but i mean a lot of people brought up that this is a chance for WWE to show current AEW talent that, you know, Hey, maybe the grass is greener on the other side. And, you know, mm-hmm. we are going to give you a chance if you do come here, you know, cause they could really use this as a vehicle to, you know, maybe attract some other talents whose contracts aren't just up yet, but, you know, maybe, you know, change the narrative of everyone wanting to jump ship to a, AEW because I mean at this point we've talked about in the past there's got to be some AEW talent that are a little disgruntled because it's so crowded right now on the roster so I mean who knows maybe they use this as kind of a sales pitch to other AEW talent to you know have contracts that are going to be up soon and what a better way to take you know Captain AEW himself Cody Rhodes and give him a bona fide opportunity so um, I think the worst thing WWE could do is completely like, you know, bury the guy because that's going to uh. make sure that no one from AEW wants to come over here or anyone else for that matter. Because if you can't fucking push Cody Rhodes and the guy is nothing but talented, then, mm-hmm. you know, what what are you doing? Yeah, I feel like it, the only way he loses if he's in this match is like a roll up and it's like a surprise like finish. You know, something really like last second, like Seth Rollins barely won, you know, kind of situation. Other than that, if Seth isn't fighting him, then Seth's winning. Now, what do you think the crowd reaction is going to be like? You're going to have a lot of smart fans there who Mm -hmm. know the situation and know Cody. And it's, you know, a big return and everything. So I'm sure he's going to get a pop. But like once the match gets going, I mean, Seth is over. You know, and he's kind of in that like in-betweener space right now where the crowd does love him and he is getting a lot of cheers, even though he kind of plays like both sides of the fence. So could we see kind of like, you know, an AEW backlash where people are, you know, starting to cheer for Rollins, you know, and it's like a, a tribal thing. I could see that at a Raw or SmackDown show. I don't imagine WrestleMania will have that kind of reaction. Like, I could see Seth Rollins getting booed faster than Cody at WrestleMania. I think he's going to have to do something, though, to get there. So, I mean, I don't know what that could be because he really hasn't been playing the villain so much lately. I mean, he's still in that, like, wacky 1960s Batman TV show villain <laughs> mode. But uh... <laughs> the crowd's starting to really, like, take to him, especially after that feud with Roman. So, I don't know. I could see him getting some cheers, but I guess only time will tell. Well, then, up next, we have a special appearance from Stone Cold Steve Austin on the KO Show. Yeah, Um. so this might actually be the main events. We don't know. Kevin Owens did come out on Raw and said that they were in the main events of Night One. But then Ronda Rousey came out okay. on Ellen DeGeneres' show and said she was in the main events. So I have a feeling they both don't know what the hell's going on because I'm sure Vince isn't quite sure yet. Uh Uh, (laughs) So that should be interesting. Um, It does feel like Stone Cold should probably go on last 
just because they're in Texas. And if it does end up looking anything like a match after like 19 years, I mean, he should get that spotlight because I can't see anything being able to follow that moment. Um, but the purest of me also feels like a title match should go on last. Um, but my God, the Flair and Rousey feud just hasn't really like lived up to that main event feel. Um, it's been pretty fucking flat and it feels like both of them are kind of going through the motions, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's, you know, their performance or just the booking. It just, it isn't clicking for some reason. They just don't have great chemistry together. Um, so I, I could, my God, I mean, it's going to be a difficult choice. (laughs) So I really don't envy, you know, Vince here. Uh, but regardless of its place on the card, what do you think is going to happen during this KO show, Christian? <laughs> is it um, just going to be like, you know, punch, kick, punch, kick, stunner, beer bash? Or do we get something that resembles a match? I feel like it'll be more spectacle than match. Like, I feel like he won't come out and attack right away. They will actually talk to one another. Mm-hmm. And that, of course... We'll get like a hundred stunners to just about everyone in the area. Uh-huh. But uh I, I don't feel like they're gonna do an actual match. I would probably agree with you if there isn't all these reports of Stone Cold like really like training hard the last like three months and upping like his cardio and you know, getting in really good shape. Uh when he he was in really good shape before, you know. You know, this whole WrestleMania, you know, stuff was announced. So I feel like you're going to get something a little more than that. I'm just kind of wondering whether or not you end up getting like some kind of challenge that carries over to the next night. And you actually get like a match with KO and Steve Austin during night two of the card. Build up to a match on WrestleMania for the next for the next God, (laughs) like I'm wondering if they did all this because Stone Cold still wasn't sure. So they didn't want to announce a match because even if you listen to that weird promo that he did, I mean, I guess it was it was a good promo, but it was just I don't know, like him saying you can call it a match. You can call it whatever, you know, a fight. It felt like he was trying to leave it like kind of ambiguous. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Because they have to deliver something bigger than what we've gotten in the past. Uh, Because, I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen Stone Cold out there on, you know, one of these, you know, there are many different talk shows. Like, he's done a Piper's Pit, like, since he's been retired. He was out there and he stunned the New Day. I mean, we've seen this many times, even though they're pretending that it hasn't happened in the past, like Stone Cold, like retired from WrestleMania and he's never made an appearance since there in the 19 years when that's very far from the fucking truth. And doesn't help your case. No, absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. A hundred percent. But I just feel like, I don't know. There has to be a little more to the payoff here. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say that maybe you just get a huge brawl that kind of lasts, you know, you know, 10, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing a match the next night. I'm still going to go with no match. Okay. And you feel like it's just going to be like, I want to hear a a minute. Like how long do you think it actually like lasts 
Like a prediction oh, the of the time. Segment? Yes. Uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. So, how much of that's talking? Um, like eight of it. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna say there's at least. Both those guys can go talking. Yeah, well. no. They both. Christian, there's no doubt that they can talk, <laughs> but people are going to be booing if they're and they're talking for eight minutes. So yeah, I can't it's admit. WWE, they're going to hope that the spectacle of just having Austin in Texas. I'm going to say, I'm going to say there's at least, at least five to ten minutes of fighting. Okay. If you say so. Okay. I don't think five. I mean, there's definitely going to be a stunner. There's definitely going to be a beer bash at the end. But I'm saying at least five to ten minutes of, you know, fighting from the two. So it's going to feel like a fight, at least. So it's not mm-hmm. just going to be like what happened to the New Day, where it's just, you know, kick, stunner, kick, stunner. And that's it. If you say so. <laughs> I say so, <laughs> Christian. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you? Th- were you a Stone Cold fan growing up? Oh, absolutely. Was he retired? He was- wasn't a Stone Cold but, fan. Well, he was retired when you you started watching wrestling yeah i mean i was definitely a big undertaker fan first and then okay. i started to learn more about other wrestlers and i was like oh stone cold looks fucking so awesome. then you went back and you know revisit yeah, yeah. Oh, okay gotcha gotcha i was even uh, a fan of stone cold working with um triple h i like that angle <laughs> even though it completely killed the business and <laughs> Hey, I you know I didn't know it was killing the business. You know, I was just watching clips here and there, man. Yeah, totally, totally destroyed their ticket sales and ratings and everything. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. So it's very obviously. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very much kind of what, and I think I talked about it before. It's kind of what they're going through with like Becky Lynch right now. Being a heel where like where no one wants to really boo Becky. And it was the same thing with Steve. Like no one wanted to boo Steve. I mean, he went to the lengths of like wearing the stupid fucking cowboy hat with Kurt. Uh, and it ended up getting him even more over, honestly. So <laughs> at least with me. But I mean, we've uh, we've touched on the main event a little bit. But what do you think is going to come out of it? Who do you think is winning between Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey? Uh, I'm going to go Ronda here just because I know supposedly she signed for another year. So mm-hmm. I feel like she's going to get the title here. And then eventually it leads to Becky versus Ronda at Mania. I mean, I feel like the rumors are probably all true. And it, I hope that's the direction they're going. Because I still feel like it's ridiculous that they didn't have that match first here, um, mm-hmm. you know, on this WrestleMania. Um, and I it would just be such a wasted opportunity, you know, especially after, you know, Becky ended up pinning her in the first, you know, women's main event in Mania history. So, like, you've got to, you know, revisit that. I mean, do you build it up to where it's like Roman versus Brock? Do you have champion versus champion just to just to do it? I would, but, I mean, I don't trust them to do it well. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm worried we'll get what happened this year. You know, with them focusing so much on Brock and Roman that they just kind of forgot about the rest of the card. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to see it, but only if it's executed well, of course. Um, Yeah, I'm going to give the win to Ronda Rousey. Uh, I I don't feel like they're that hot on Charlotte anymore these days. I feel like she doesn't need the title. I don't think that's true. (laughs) 
you don't think they're that hot on Charlotte. She's getting probably the main event at WrestleMania, man. I'm just saying, like, I feel like they wouldn't need the title. On I, Charlotte I agree that Charlotte doesn't need the title, but I mean, mm. I think they still, I still think they see Charlotte as the bigger star than Becky. Okay. You know, so, and it, they push her like she's the bigger star than Becky, even, unfortunately. So, um, so I don't think it's a case of them not being high on Charlotte. I think it's more of a case of knowing that Charlotte doesn't really need the belt, even though they're still going to give it to her like five times, you know, between oh, yeah. this year and next <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> because they just see her as that next All level. Right, we're moving on over to night two, and the action stays big as we get a fatal four-way tag team match for the women's tag team championship that's right queen Zelina and carmella the champions will be going up against sasha banks and naomi rhea ripley and Liv morgan and uh they'll also be fighting natalia and Shayna baszler which is a weird team up in my eyes so i actually think this is the second time we've had a four-way dance for the tag team titles in the women's division in you know that belt short history um and it like just like the first time it feels very thrown together and just a way of getting all the women on the card unfortunately um i just wish they would invest more time in the division but i'm not gonna you know sit here and you know bitch about it for 10 minutes like usually like usual so uh <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna say rhea ripley and Liv morgan walk away with the tag titles here i feel like you know they are high on live even though you know, they don't know what to do with her sometimes, and the fans are really behind her. So I think they want to give her a moment. Um, so, and they feel like the hottest, you know, tag team that they have in the women's division right now. Mm -hmm. um, and like the rest of the teams, I don't know. They just kind of feel like put together to be put together. Where I exactly. could see like Ripley and Morgan, like, you know, being a tag team for a while. No, they actually look like a unit compared to everyone else. And that's, I I definitely agree. I feel like they're going to win. Um, I just hope it, you know, they do it right. I hate when it's just two people in the ring and it's a multi, you know, tag team match. Um, I And I hope it gets enough time, I guess. But I, I can I can picture this being a five to, you know, eight minute excursion of just tag team madness and, uh, that being it, I, I, I can see it as a clusterfuck. So <laughs> I agree yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like Sasha, she doesn't need the belt. And I feel like they want to keep her free to feud with who ends up, you know, walking away with the women's title on SmackDown. Because um, she's always, you know, part of the main event scene. Up next in an anything goes match, oh, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. Oh, God, I don't want to waste time talking about this. I'm just happy Sami Zayn's getting featured on WrestleMania. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and he, he had the match against Logan Paul last year, right? Yes, so he's he just like the celebrity guy now? It seems like All it. All right, whatever. <laughs> it works for him. He also signed a new contract recently. so yeah. He looks like he's having a good time. Yes, you know, so that's what's... He's a fantastic <laughs> heel. So he does exactly. his job very well. Um, I'd like to see him actually in the title picture, you know, not wasting his time in feuds like this, but what, whatever. They obviously trust him to be working with these celebrities. So uh, I'm going to go Knoxville here. I'm sure all the jackass guys will interfere somehow and it'll just be a huge, mm. you know, sight to see. So, yeah, no, Sammy is going to unfortunately take the pin. 
and probably a few nut shots. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm sure they're going to have that giant, stupid hand here and everything uh-huh. like that. <laughs> Maybe there's poop involved. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like WWE won't go poop, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Vince loves poop, so... <laughs> It's 2022. I think we're past. No, poop. don't you remember the fucking PG version of DX where the, he was dumping poop yeah. on people left and right? I, I, I could see poop falling on <laughs> Sami Zayn. Come on now. Uh, or him being thrown in like a thing of poop. Yeah. No. I definitely could see a poop moment happening in this match. <laughs> you know, I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, it is the jackass, guys. Well, speaking of poop moments, we have Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. You know, Pat McAfee has been doing a great job on the mic selling this fucking feud here. I'm sure so, he um, and he did have a great showing against Adam Cole. Austin Theory is a talented guy, so they could pull off, you know, a, a decent match here. Um, I'm obviously not huge on this match because it just feels like there's so many other wrestlers that could be, you know, in this spot. It is what it is. Um, I'm going to say, Austin Theory gets the win here because Austin has been getting pushed and, you know, he's kind of underneath the tutelage of Vince McMahon's storyline wise. So I could see McMahon like interfering or doing something mm-hmm. on the behalf of Theory. Um, and maybe this ends up carrying on to, you know, WrestleMania backlash or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If they wanted to continue the storyline, they could easily, you know, do like, you know, um, McMahon in the corner. And that's what originally this was rumored to be McAfee versus McMahon. Mm -hmm. And they've, I guess, apparently behind the scenes changed it multiple times before they settled on this. So because McMahon was supposed to go on McAfee's show and start the angle there. And then that ended up being a straight like interview. Um, And they, you know, started the whole Austin Theory McAfee deal the next night. So. Yeah, no, I can see that definitely happening. Um, uh, up next we have RK Bro versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy in a triple threat tag team match for the Raw Tag Team Championship. It's like a whole weekend of AEW tag team matches in one show. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna say RK Bro ends up walking away, still holding the titles. Um, but I feel like they might plant some seeds for an eventual breakup. I mean, I'm still shocked that RK bro has lasted this long. I mean, when this whole angle started, I thought a month tops. Uh, Oh, so, I mean, this is going on, I think close to a year now. So at this point, I, I'd be okay with the turn. Cause I feel like, I don't know what, which other direction they could go with this team. Um, I just hope Riddle ends up better for the feud, you know, that it really gets Riddle over. I mean, hell, have Riddle turn on Randy. That'd be different, right? You know, everyone, you know, expects Randy to be the one to RKO, you know, Riddle out of nowhere. What if you have fucking Riddle do it? You know, what if Riddle's the one first type of exactly. And then Riddle's the heel. Um, it just be something different. I mean, yeah, they are their most like over tag team this year. It fe- feels By like far. so. I I definitely feel like they're gonna win, but I could totally see the Street Profits picking up the titles, and that's what you know causes the dissension between the. Two You're members. not wrong. I mean, I could see them going that direction, um, and that's kind of where the friction really starts 
They've just mm. been so entertaining. They're probably the most entertaining thing on Raw, honestly. So it is disappointing, but um, we'll see. Up next, we have Edge versus AJ Styles in a singles match. So on paper, this could be the match of the night. Mm. Uh, and I'm excited to see these guys in the ring. But I've hated this fucking angle. This angle's done nothing for me. And I don't even understand what the hell is happening. Like Edge's heel turn just feels so unearned and out of nowhere. Um, and he's okay. doing the typical like blame the audience thing, which doesn't even make sense. Um, I don't even know if AJ was a baby face either. Like it feels like he was a heel too, or in that weird in between, you know, spot. Uh, so I just, I'm not super invested in the story, but I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great match. I just hope they get yeah, enough time, but they should mm -hmm. with edge beat. I mean, God, you remember edge and Randy Orton when edge first came back two years ago, they like, yeah. they had that excruciating 50 minute last man standing match. So, he should definitely get enough time. I haven't followed anything with this feud. Like, all I've seen is, like, images of Edge sitting in a black room, and I, I have no idea what's going on. With it's just things, so. really weird, and none of the promo. And Edge is a great promo and a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. But it just, it, it feels so forced. You know, like, they, like, basically flipped a coin to see who was going to be the heel in the feud, and Edge won. And he's just giving us, okay. like, every generic... <laughs> you know, heal 101 excuse. It's been rather disappointing, honestly. Uh, who did, who did you say was winning? I didn't, because I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say AJ here. I'm going to say they give AJ a moment. So he's been kind of like lost in the shuffle for the last like two to three years. This might be like a jumping off point for AJ and, you know, kind of like catapult him back into the main event scene. Because they definitely need more people, you know, involved in the main event picture. Okay, I can see it. They definitely do need someone like AJ Styles for whoever comes out of this main event. But um, hmm. yeah, it just don't, I, it depends on how long this heel version of Edge would last. Because I mean, if they want to just turn him back, they could oh, at any moment. And I feel like that's happened with Edge, you know, recently. Because mm. <laughs> he kind of was a heel last year at Mania with the whole Daniel Bryan Roman, uh, you know, triple threat mm -hmm. match that they did. Where he kind of like got frustrated and started turning on Daniel Bryan and everything for like, you know, involving himself in the feud. Do you remember that? And then like literally Mania ended yeah. and he was a babyface. Yes. Yeah, I'll give it to AJ Styles. He, he definitely deserves a WrestleMania win. You know, what? Because his last few matches were this and then what? Undertaker two yeah, years he ago? That, he had what the was It was uh, Omos, I think, right? Was he with, was he tagging with a. Uh, I think he was Yeah, tagged. with him. Yeah. I think so. I think that was the start of their oh, team. Well, speaking of Omos, we have him going up against Bobby Lashley in a match. Uh, I'm going to say Lashley. I'm going to say they've been building up Omos and they realize that it's probably not going anywhere. <laughs> because I feel like, <laughs> you know, it's not his fault. But I think it was just too much too soon. And he just wasn't ready. Mm. Um, because, I mean, they have been protecting him. But the dude, it, it, he can't sell. And that's a problem out there. Mm. You know, unless you're going to just have him destroying people for a couple minutes and, you know, that's it. It just doesn't work. He's not ready yet, unfortunately. So I would have him go away for a year or two and get some seasoning and, you know, and then bring him back. 
Uh, but this way you can get Lashley and, you know, maybe build him up as a babyface as the guy who defeated, you know, almost. And then, you know, he can move on to face maybe Roman Reigns if he ends up walking away with both of those belts. It almost feels like it would have been pretty cool to have seen Omos uh, working with Bobby Lashley as part of that Hurt Locker mm-hmm. team or um, Hurt Business, not Hurt Locker. No, yeah, that's a film <laughs> <laughs> starring Hawkeye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, you're right. And maybe just have him as like a background character and don't have him wrestle mm-hmm. for a couple of years, you know, until he's fucking ready. Like give him hundreds of dark matches if needed, <laughs> you know, and then you can have him like, you know, finally debut in a match and it will be a big deal. You know, you have him out there just clubbing guys left and right, you know, and being the muscle. And then you build up where fans are just like foaming at the mouth to actually see the guy in the ring. Um, that's felt like the direction they're going to go with him and AJ at first. Cause you remember he was kind of just AJ's heavy. Um, but then mm. of course they ended up pulling the trigger way too soon. And I don't know. He just wasn't ready. Wasn't like a Raquel Rodriguez situation. You know, she, he just wasn't exactly. Prepared. Exactly. Um, and right now, like we said with AJ Styles, they need guys like Bobby Lashley up there for the main event picture. So yeah, I can, I agree. Bobby Lashley should be up there. Uh, winning this match. Um, speaking of the main event, we have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, which absolutely will be the final match of the show. Um, and a winner-takes-all match to unify the WWE Championship and the WWE Universal Championship. Did they ever say what title they're going to go with after this? Is it going to be the WWE? Maybe the they'll call, I think there was something that leaked where it was called like the Unified WWE Universal Champion or something like that. Is the way it was phrased. I'm, um, okay. but I'm sure it's only going to last a month, tops, before <laughs> they split both those belts up again because they're not getting rid of you know the brand split. So mm. I can't imagine those two belts being unified for very long. I would love it if it if that was the case, um, because I feel like having two titles like that just always diminishes your main event picture and, you know, the importance of a world championship. So, but I just, I know how they think and they want to have those separate brands and and please both of their, you know, network partners. So, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it feels like a waste of a gimmick um, and something that wasn't needed, a stipulation that wasn't needed. Because Roman and Brock is the one storyline that they've done really well this year. And I am actually excited to see this match, even though we've seen it, I think, twice at this point at WrestleMania. So, I mean, that says a lot because both wrestlers have been, you know, given these characters that are so different than the first two times that they met that the matchup feels fresh when it should feel stale um and 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 they've been you know working together for months now it's done nothing but like really like build up this feud it's been a great build especially because they've actually invested a lot of time and you know put everything into it it feels more akin to your more traditional old school WrestleMania program that would, you know, main event. As far as Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns go, I think Roman Reigns is going to get the win in this. I think they don't take the title off of him. He's, you know, primed to be that, you know, universal guy that can go between both shows if they want to do something like that for a little bit. 
I, I do agree they're not going to split up the brands or anything like that. And I imagine each network wants their own, you know, world title on their shows. To, Which you know, feels you know, so weird because you would think that both them. networks would want just all the best wrestlers. You know, right? It would just yeah. feel like, well, we want all the good wrestlers on our show. So, you know, when you have a brand split, uh-huh. you kind of cut your rock. You, you do literally cut your roster in half. So you're not getting all of the best wrestlers they have. So why would you want a brand split? Why wouldn't you just want all of the roster on your sh- channel? You know, so I, I just don't get it. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> so you, you've got Roman uh, going over. Yeah, I got Roman going over and I have like, you know, an additional bet that, you know, if Roman does win, does the whole celebration, you know, their fireworks are going off and the rock comes out. Yeah, that's how you end the show. I could see that, especially if Roman does go over because Vince wants to end on a high note, on a baby face note, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he wants the crowd to go home happy. Um, you know, it's the one time of the year where he does want <laughs> The audience to go home happy, I guess. Um, at least it feels like it. So, I mean, if you do have Roman go over and you have that chorus of boos, because Brock is super over as a babyface right now, as crazy as that sounds. Everyone loves Cowboy Brock. So you have Roman standing out there with his title, holding his chin high, and then you have, you know, The Rock come out and challenge him, you know, maybe for next WrestleMania. Um, but I could also see Brock winning. And I keep on going back and forth because I feel like, you know, everyone just kind of assumes that they're leading to Rock versus Roman next year, which from what we're hearing isn't a hundred percent sure thing. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of does make sense for Roman to carry that title on till next year. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like it hurts the match to have Roman lose the belt once, you know, before then. So I could see them, you know, putting Brock over here and then having him lose the belt soon after to Roman again. So I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I do like the booking of, you know, a rock appearance, especially if they do have that, you know, Mm -hmm. in the chamber for next year. I mean, what you got night one, Austin, (laughs) night two rock. I mean, that just Uh sounds like Uh mania. We'll see. But that does it for our predictions. Let us know what your thoughts are. You probably are going to be watching the show by the time you listen to this. But let us know if we were right, wrong, whatever you think. Let oh, us I'm, know sh- the next I'm sure there's a whole lot of wrong going on with these predictions. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and we're barely watching the show nowadays. So. Exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, it should be an interesting you know, time regardless. Here's to an awesome wrestling. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms and hey if you're looking for extra content make sure to catch our streams every weekend on twitch plus youtube videos monday through friday want to support the show further you can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing nerd show merch we've got t-shirts hoodies stickers and more and if you post what you bought and tag us on social media we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the united states well all right damon what are we talking about next week well join us next week as we break down episode two of moon knight 
And of course, we're reviewing WrestleMania 38. My name's Christian. My name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nurse Show. And The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? Oh